Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Joe Chura. If you have not heard of him, it's under the radar, but the guy is an absolute freaking powerhouse, super inspirational. I mean, just, again, checks all the boxes for everything that you would want in a person, in a business, in a podcast guest, extremely successful guy, very smart guy, very hardworking, humble guy. And I think he shares a lot of amazing insights and lessons of starting from an assembly line, just being a normal guy who just did all the everyday struggles and trials and tribulations and figured out that consistency and optimism and problem solving and coming from a place of solution based and thinking bigger was going to get him where he needed to go. And he did it in just bite-sized incremental steps along the way and just kept, like he said, knocking down walls, finding another wall on the other side that had a whole bunch of problems. He solved those problems, knocked that wall down. And now he's doing the same thing with jujitsu and his company. He's the host of not almost their podcast. He's had on Jocko. He's had on Jim Willink. He's had on uh, Carl Fussman. He's had on all kinds of like amazing people, Jesse Itzler. I mean, look, look it up for sure on the show links. You'll be blown away at the guests and the circles that this guy runs with. He ran a refuel event earlier this year that he went to that was outstanding. And on top of that, he also is now opening a non-alcoholic brewery in Naperville. And he's got a bunch of other businesses that he grew from Again, starting out with three employees, just working for himself, I end up selling them off to cars.com. I'm assuming made a ton of money doing that and is now doing bigger and better things to fill him, fill his passions, fill his time, keep his mind busy, challenge himself. And again, getting into jujitsu and rubbing shoulders. That's how I initially was intro to him through the guys at BJJ Lab, like Mark Turner, Brad Johns, John Brooks, and all these guys that are just amazing, good people on and off the mat. So I am completely blown away and impressed constantly with the stuff that Joe's doing the humbleness and how just approachable and normal he is for the level of success he's had and the circles he runs with and the people that he interacts with in his life and his business and in his podcast. And you were definitely going to want to listen to this one, save this one, follow him on social media, listen to his podcasts and take away tons of really great inspirational life lessons, whether you are starting a business and looking for that inspiration as an entrepreneur to get your confidence up or get your motivation up, or you were in business having those struggles and problems as an entrepreneur and looking for ways to scale up or to keep yourself in the fight. This is definitely a podcast you will not want to miss. So thank you very much, Shochur, for coming on and sharing your time. Thank you for John Brooks, Brad, and Mark for hooking us up. And I look forward to sharing a non-alcoholic beer and then Matt with him very soon. If you want to take a trip out, definitely follow him for the opening of his uh, his non-alcoholic brewery coming up in Naperville this summer. So follow him. All things on our show notes to follow and link him personally, professionally, on his businesses and in his life. Thank you, Joe Chura. And again, nicknicknick.com slash links for all the ways to connect with me and to follow our podcast and follow us on social media, please, please go there and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a good review if you can and follow us and interact with us on social media. It really goes a long way. It's super, super helps. So please definitely take some time and do that. And while you're there under affiliates, go to nicknicknick.com slash links and look for money for your real estate deals. You can find Marianne from Nationwide Business Capital Group, whether you're new, experienced, beginner, whatever it is, good credit, bad credit, money, no money, Marianne can help you get in the game. Or if you're already in the game, help you get more competitive rates and terms for more money and cheaper money. 
So reach out to her nationwide business capital group right through our affiliates link at nicknicknick.com and tell her you listen to the A-game podcast and you want some money, she will be the person to help you. Once you do that, reach back out to me. Any of those social media links are fine, but the best way to get me is to text me directly, 516-540-5733. Text me and say, hey, I want to buy properties from you. I want to sell properties to you. I don't even know what I want to do, but I know I want to get involved in real estate. How do we start this together? How do we work together? How do we maybe do a deal together? How do we partner up on some level and get things going? And we can start that discussion because that's what this whole thing is about, is getting you guys into deals finding ways to get into real estate and build this out together with the people that are supporting the podcast that I can support back. So thank you very much again. And last but certainly not least, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers. If you are a real estate agent, real estate broker, or a wholesaler, there's some free checklists there for you that hopefully will bring you some value as well. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you to Jiu-Jitsu, the Mark Turners, the Matt Sarahs, the guys at BJJ Lab, Brad Johns, who I'm, again, completely impressed with on a daily basis, as well as John Brooks, Mark Turner, Matt Sarah, and all the people that I am really blessed to have in my life that I talk to on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis that have come on their podcast or helped me in my life in some shape or form. I am appreciative and thankful for all you guys. So thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is a former assembly line worker turned CEO and entrepreneur. He is the founder of Dealer Inspire, holding over 800 employees, 3,000 clients, and climbing. Also founder of the Launch Digital Marketing. He's a health enthusiast who overcame a major back injury and lost at one point over 50 pounds and is now an avid jiu-jitsu practitioner, a keynote speaker, and the host of the Not Almost There podcast who has featured some amazing names such as Jocko Willink, Jim Quick, and a dozen more. He is a father, a husband, the grandson of the guy who invented the hamburger press machine, a guitar player, from what I hear, a great dancer. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. Thank you for being here and dealing with my scheduling nonsense. Joe Chura. Nick, it is great to be with you today, and I can't believe you found all that information. I, I, <laughs> I, I know that wasn't all assembled in one place, so good job. Thanks, man. Yeah, I try, try to do my research. I always tell everybody, I don't, I don't want to have a, uh, a some C-game intro for an A-game podcast. It just wouldn't add up together, you know? Yeah, that's good. So, dude, you're, uh, you're definitely a very interesting guy. I, I love how under the radar you are, and then once I started doing a deep dive and talking to people, more and more people through BJJ Lab and in the area just keep telling me, like, man, you got to talk to Joe. He's amazing. You got to hear his story. You got to listen to his podcast. And I came and I went to your your live event, which we'll definitely talk about. And I was just blown away, man. Like, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. There's a million different directions we can go from there. But for people who are not 100% familiar with you yet, can you give a bit of a 30,000 foot snapshot of kind of who you are and where you came from? Yeah, sure thing. And I'll be as succinct as possible because the story can can go in, in different uh, in different angles and tangents and uh Feel free to dive in any, anywhere where you want more clarification. But basically, I started off on the assembly line at Ford Motor Company in the south side of Chicago when I was 20 years old and uh, worked there for five years, um, realized that that wasn't the future I wanted. So the only way out was what was what I say was through, and that was getting my college degree. I accomplished that by reading textbooks, my college textbooks on the line in between building cars. The cars would roll 72 times per hour. I was in the trim department. I would put on the seatbelt, B-pillar, scuff plate, uh, D-ring, A-pillar, all these parts in the car. And, and I, would, I, would be, I would get pretty good at it. So I would work my way up the line, come back, run to my kind of like station, 
read, read a few sentences. And I did that 72 times per hour for years. It took me years. This wasn't like an overnight thing. Finally got the opportunity to get out of the plant. Um, and I transferred the marketing sales division at Ford Motor Company. At the time, there wasn't many, if any, hourly UAW employees that, that had done that. So I had a big issue with HR even making that happen. I was blessed and lucky enough to make that happen. I was, I was given a job in Downers Grove, Illinois, which if anyone doesn't know the area, it's about 30 miles outside of Chicago with an elevator and carpet. And it was just the most amazing thing because my, my time at the assembly plant was really like my dream was to, to stay there and be a supervisor. Um, so, so when I said my future, um, I didn't want to be there. It wasn't necessarily, I didn't want to be at the plant. I didn't want to be an assembly line worker for 30 years. That said, um, was in the marketing sales division at Ford Motor Company for five years. I called on auto dealers. This was at the perfect time when I convinced them that internet wasn't going to be a failure. Lucky I was right. And I was helping them, them train on how to handle internet leads and all of that stuff. And then I started to get an SEO myself um, and, and learn how to program computers. I had a passion when I was a kid programming the Commodore 64 kind of brought that passion back. And I, I was like, man, I know, I kind of know how, how this works. So um, I was building websites and learning digital marketing techniques. Um, after 10 years at, the, at, the, at Ford, um, which was an amazing time, I had the opportunity to uh, be a general manager and a partner at a car dealership. And I, di I did that really because my income was limited at Ford. I didn't know it at the time, but at the time, this was like 2006, 2007, Ford almost filed bankruptcy or almost out of business. You know, when GM did and Chrysler did and all that, like Ford's the only one out of the, the big three that didn't, but they, they definitely couldn't uh, afford salary increases or anything like that, but that didn't matter to me. So, so at, at the time, Nick, like when I was at Ford, I actually got my real estate license too. And I was selling real estate on the side because I don't want to be limited by, by what was happening. Um, but what, what ended up happening with that whole thing was uh, I couldn't really balance those, those two jobs. Ford did not like that. So I was basically forced to try to find something else. So I had this opportunity to become a partner at, at this car dealership. It was one of the toughest jobs I've, I've had, um, tough in a very different way than the assembly line, but equally as difficult in just different ways learn how to manage employees, learn how to manage a business. And after, uh, after three years of that, um, decided that that also wasn't my, my passion. So I started a digital marketing agency and it really just focused on helping car dealers. We had some non-auto clients too. And, uh, and that was, you know, all we did is search engine optimization, search engine marketing. We didn't build websites or anything like that. But after the first year or two, I saw the writing on the wall and I knew that if we didn't take control of the website and if we didn't, we weren't able to put analytics there and handle and be able to help dealers with conversion and measuring sales and like all of this stuff that was possible, but no one was doing that our marketing company was at risk. So decided to create another entity called Dealer Inspire. And the whole idea was we would, Dealer Inspire would be able to build websites for our marketing clients. And the opposite ended up happening is Dealer Inspired such a unique website in the automotive space. And for anyone that doesn't know the, the, the kind of TAM or the, or the market opportunity of automotive, there's 18,000 franchise dealers in, in the US, 5,000 in, in Canada. And we had about, we had a few hundred marketing clients. So I was like, oh, we'll build, we'll build 
websites for our marketing clients and that'll be the business and it'll funnel more marketing and so forth. And Dealer Inspired just took off like a rocket ship. In 2013, we had three employees. I lost $300,000. By 2017, we had a few hundred employees and we were, we were ranked on Inc. as the number 39 fastest growing company in, in America. 2018, I sold both companies to cars.com. I stayed on as the CEO until this year. We actually got up to 5,000 clients. Uh, we were approved with 40 OEMs. So the Fords, the, the GMs, the Chryslers, almost every OEM. Uh, the business was uh, in Canada and the US. We had clients in Guam too somehow. And, and it was just, it was great. It was growing. I, I left as CEO in 2000 uh, in this, this last year. Um, so 2022, and I uh, moved on to be the chief innovation officer at cars.com. And that gave me more flexibility to do other things like develop uh, the, one of the first uh, non-alcoholic breweries in the United States, which is going to be in Naperville, Illinois, in oh. just a few months. So uh, that's, that's what this shirt represents. Go, if you're not watching this, um, please check out gobrewing.com. And, and really along the way kind of had a lot of uh, me failures, had a lot of wins and kind of pushed myself to, to get to where I am today. But overall, I, I'm just gonna say like incredibly, incredibly blessed. I was at the right place in the right time. And I just took these small incremental steps to get to where I'm at. And it's, it's just been an amazing, amazing ride. Man, I have again, done a lot of deep dives on you. So I know that there's a lot of branches and things that you're leaving out of that, but it is such an incredible story. And I think what you've done and the highs and lows and all the ups and downs, it's, it really is just one of those incredible heroes journeys. And it doesn't surprise me with the work that you've put in and hearing the, the values and the things that you've done and recognized along the way, why you are success, so successful, but also so humble along the way. Cause you know, obviously you weren't born on third base and then scored a run. You worked for all of that and it definitely shows, man. So super, super impressive stuff. And I wanted to backtrack on a few of those topics that you just yeah. talked about. One of them being initially going into this, obviously you're not scared of hard work, but I heard you say at one point, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you were like, you're working for one of the companies, working your butt off. And maybe it was your wife who said, hey, you're putting all this time and all this energy and all this effort in. You're falling asleep at your laptop every night. Why not put that time and energy into your own business instead of making somebody else money? And I might be paraphrasing there, but I always think that that's such a pivotal moment that normally somebody's spouse doesn't suggest they want the safe route. And so I'm, I'm just enamored by that whole process that it was somebody else in your life that might have planted that in your head and given you that support. Yeah, you know, that's, that is 100% true. Again, great, great uh, research on that. <laughs> yeah. um, the, my, my wife one day, I, what would happen is I would come home from work uh, running a, a car dealership and I would put on my headphones. I was next to her. She was watching Bravo. I'm putting on my headphones. I'm learning how to code. So I'm, I'm literally building like websites next to her. And she turns to me one day and she's like, she's like, why are you always working? And I said, honey, this is what I do for fun. Like it, it was like, I don't watch sports. I love playing sports. I was an athlete when I was growing up. I don't watch sports. Now that doesn't mean I don't like to catch a, a game with my friends sometimes, but I'm not like, I'm not like a guy that just watches TV. So, but so she's next to me doing this. I'm doing, I'm coding. Cause that is, that was my entertainment. I love to learn like that and build something and create something and put some, something in the universe that wasn't there before. And, 
And she goes to me, if you're going to do that and put in this effort, why don't you do it for yourself? You're doing all this stuff. You're putting all these extra hours for, for these, these companies. And you're obviously have a, have a real big passion for it. So I forever credit her for giving me that push. And then, uh, and then I met, I met two people that became my business partners for launch. Again, the idea of dealer inspire wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even, didn't even cross my mind. And, and it was just that one step toward building this digital marketing company, just really working on SEO for clients that parlayed into many more things and opportunities. I think that's huge, man. For people listening, I can't tell you how many times somebody wants to talk to me about investing money in a deal or buying a property, and then they ghost. And I'm like, what happened? Like, we had such a good connection. All this stuff checked out. Like, we were, we were at the finish line. We, we've gone through everything. What is it? And then you find out months later, it's like my husband or my wife. They just wouldn't let me do it. And it's like, well, based on what? And it's never based on anything. They have no back, you know? So the fact that you do have that support that so many don't have, I just, I think it's such a huge piece that not enough people, if you are listening and have a spouse or a business partner or family member who's encouraging you to go after stuff, man, like don't take that lightly. That's such a huge, huge piece there. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, I was also miserable to be honest with you. I, <laughs> probably in the toughest time of my life was 2010. And I had, I had debilitating back pain, Nick. I couldn't walk for two years, for two to three years. I had back pain um, from a mix between being a basketball player when I was a kid to then working on the assembly line. And I had two herniated discs in my back. They were just so bad. Anyone who's back pain can, can appreciate this because it's hard to, uh, to um, it's hard to explain like, like the pain, the ability, the inability to even stand up. And I couldn't, I couldn't, um, you know, stand for more than 30 seconds. And I knew I had to, to do something about it. And then finally I saw a good doctor. He's like, all this stuff you're doing is not going to work. You have to have surgery. And I actually had scheduled uh, my, my back operation, but um, something happened like a month before that, where I actually had to go in and have a emergency uh, procedure done. Cause I, I literally was like, par- like, like pretty much paralyzed. Cool. And, um, and I, and I woke up from surgery. They basically ship you out of the hospital because they, they want you walking. And I go home and I'm on painkillers. And I'm just laying on my couch for a week thinking like, man, I just gave up my career at Ford Motor Company. I'm depressed. I don't really have a job I love anymore. And, uh, and my, my, wife, my wife was, uh, we just had, had a, new, a new baby and... <laughs> Um, she was about to be pregnant again. And it was just like all of this stuff kind of came at me at once. And for her to give, give me that support once she knew where my passion lied, it was just so much was so awesome, even beyond if everything was great. And she would say that because we were, we weren't doing well at that time, but I also knew that it was only up to me to change it. You know, I wasn't going to sit here and and um, feel sorry for myself. I, and as low as that was, I knew the only way was up at that point. That's huge, man. You know, uh, touching on all the, the cliche stuff, man, I, it's cliche for a reason that it sticks around and successful people say it. And one of the things that I'm going to actually put a quote card on you for, because I thought it was amazing, but you, I felt like I was talking to a mirror when I heard you say this, but I think you mentioned the ripple effect from all the decisions you have made in your life are, are, are where you are today. And I, I could not echo that enough, that people don't understand that their life is a recipe and where they are today is based on the recipe of the ingredients, which are their decisions. So where you are, good or bad, happy or not, 
it's from all of those decisions you made along the way. And the only way to change that is to change the decisions that you make. But people go, well, I want to make a change. Well, you don't really, you want to be in a different spot, but you don't want to take another route to get there. So for you, is that something that you learn from mentors, just learn from business, from trial and error? Because a lot of people, even like, I just had a conversation with my mom last week and she's in her mid seventies and finally it clicked. And she was like, oh, he didn't want to make a decision. That's why he deflected it. And I was like, now that you see that people don't want to make decisions for fear of having to make one or fear of being wrong and that they live their whole life putting off having to make one and then life just passes you by, you have no control over it. I could not think of like a more important subject for people that are successful. So I'm always interested for what made that stick out to you. How did you pick that up? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And I, I wish I could say that I had like a mentor or role model. And I wish I did, because it'd be easy uh, to point to. But my life, uh, I had a very odd high school life. I had my own apartment when I was a junior in high school. I was pretty much on my own. I lived on a futon mattress in my the back of my dad's place for, for a few years, then had my own apartment and really was just a lost kid. Like I was, I was really... Um, like I couldn't even really take care of myself. And one of the things that changed my life was I found out I was going to be a father when I was 19. And, and at that time I looked at it in like two ways. I said, okay, I could be successful. Um, and I could be someone that my daughter admires when she grows up, or I could do the opposite. And unfortunately my father, my father at the time, him and my mother got a divorce a few years prior. And I saw him taking that other route. He was, he was making poor choices. And sometimes you can learn just as much by watching someone do the wrong things as the right things. So I was watching that happen. And I was like, the only little bit I knew is I didn't want to be that. Like, I didn't want to do that. And he was such a great person, but at the same time, he let that divorce affect him in such a negative way that fast forward to 2006, he ended up passing away at, at the age of uh, 55 years old, which was really sad in itself because he made these lifestyle choices that, that were bad. But as soon as I had my daughter, I was like, all right, I need a job. That's <laughs> it, man. There was no like grand vision. I was like, I, I need a job. And when I took that step to get a job at the plant, I didn't like it. I wasn't happy, but I said the only to myself, the only way out is through. The only way out is like, I can't quit this job. I'm 20 years old. I'm a UAW employee. I'm making 20 bucks an hour. In two years, I'll make $22 an hour. I'm like, there's nothing at the time like this. Great benefits. And I knew they paid for my school. So I said, okay, I'm going to work here and I'm going to graduate college. That was the only thing I thought of. I didn't think beyond that. And then as I was going, going to school, I saw these supervisors walking around with these radios and I was like, I want to be them. Like, I want to be that, that person. So now my school had purpose. I was like, when I graduated, I want to be one of those guys. And, and that is because the, the pond I was in or the lake I was in was limited. That's all I saw, man. I just saw this plant and no one, none of my friends and my friends, parents, no one I knew lived beyond that. Like it was just like blue collar. That's what I knew. I grew up in Calumet City and that's it, man. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But that was, that was limited what I could see as my potential. So what happened was I, even when I graduated, this wasn't like a fairy tale story. When I graduated, all of a sudden I got this promotion. 
I, I couldn't still couldn't advance at the plant. And then one day this, this guy comes up to me, this engineer and says, Hey, I see this job posting for this marketing and sales position. I think you would re really be good at it. Now, I do want to say in life, persistence is so important. So anyone listening to this, no one's going to hand you anything. Like, I don't, I, maybe when you're a kid or maybe when you're younger, someone will give you, a, give you a chance, but no one really will walk up to you and hand you something. I realized that because I had friends that were supervisors at this plant. No one handed me anything, but this, this engineer pointed out that there was this job opening. I think he was sick of me asking how I get a promotion at the plan. And I also was not to go on, on a tangent here, but I would schedule meetings with the plant manager who was the number one person at this plan that, that housed 2,500 employees. I would schedule meetings with him and I would review marketing presentations with them about cars Ford was going to build. Like completely the wrong audience for that. Like, like I didn't know it, but I was trying things. And when this engineer saw, saw this job and, and showed it to me, I was like, oh my God, there's more than this plant out there for Ford. I had no idea there was this marketing and sales division nearby. So all of a sudden my pond expanded and I was like, wow, there's another body of water over here that's completely different. And then once I got there, and that's a story in itself, is that I was like, I'm going to be the best damn zone manager they ever had. And I'm going to make them realize that you should hire more UAW employees and two years later, I was like, I just focused on that. And I won zone manager of the year, not because I was the smartest, because I was the most grateful for my job. So I never wanted to go back up, back to this plant. And I really enjoyed going up this elevator. I mean, that is how simple my mind worked. And I was like, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. And because of that, I was able to take advantage of that just to get to that next step. And then that op opened the door for the next thing. So no matter where I was, or no matter where you are, whoever's, whoever's watching this or uh, listening to it, it's just really like, look at your circumstances and you'll realize that there's opportunity in front of you. You just may not realize it and be the best at what you want to do and try and just take that one step up because all of a sudden doors will open, bodies of waters appear that you never knew existed before. And that's exactly what happened to me. Dude, that is the essence of this entire podcast is bringing your A game to everything you do, regardless of if it's where you want to be or not, because other A players are going to recognize that in you. And that's what it's really for. And that's, again, not an accident why you are where you are because of that. And too many people look at it as this isn't where I want to be. I should be over here. I should be doing that instead of just being thankful for the opportunity, crushing that opportunity, because without doing that, there is not another opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's, that's right. And I think just being humble and grateful was just like, it was just because I was where I grew up. And like, I look at the contrast of where, where I was and now where I'm at, I'm like, whoa. And then after a while, though, after a while, just like working out or just like martial arts, right? You have to get uncomfortable again. Like, like you have to push yourself. So that's what was, that's what was happening, Nick, is now, now I'm in marketing and sales and I'm crushing it. And I'm like, okay, now I want to take my game to, to, to that next level. Well, Ford had a ceiling at that time. So I, I did something else. Right. And then, and then I tried to expand from there. And then once you hit roadblocks, you got to go around them. You got to go through them. It's it, that's life. Life will happen. Like, it, like you can't get around that shit. No matter what you try, you're going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit bumps in the road. You, you're going to think to yourself, see, you know, I heard this on the podcast. This isn't true or whatever. But the reality is, man, you keep pressing hard 
or you keep you keep having that chisel knocking on a, that, that door, eventually it's going to fall. And beyond it, there are going to be things you never knew were there. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I agree with that a thousand percent, man. And I think that your story, not to keep going back to it, but there was another person, I think his name was Willis. Willis Chin. That was the guy I was alluding to. Yeah. That was a, such a crazy thing because I feel like that's one of those moments that if you look back, it was very, you know, the slight edge principle, things are very easy to do, very not easy to do, like yeah. same exact amount of effort, but you could have easily just taken that as your roadblock, or your obstacle and said, well, I'll just, can't do that. I'm going to go somewhere else. But that split second decision to go, Hey, I'm like, if you could tell that story, I think that's amazing. Yeah, and then yeah, I'll, I'll relate it to something definitely. after that, but I just think it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's an important story too. Cause again, this was just like. It was luck and, and, and persistence. And when you have those two things together, uh, you can make things happen. So um, Willis Chin was this uh, Asian American engineer. He pointed out this job to me on my break and he said, you should apply for this job. Well, this is like 2002, right? UAW employees didn't have like emails. We didn't have salary IDs because we weren't salary employees. We didn't have anything. So as I, as I go to apply for this job, um, the first thing it asks you is what's your ID, what's your Ford email address? And I didn't have one. So it wouldn't let me go past start. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even apply for this job because again, it was, it was a job that was posted for salary people because UAW employees weren't seen as folks that were qualified for this because most of us weren't, but because I just graduated, I was, but I couldn't apply. So I see this and I am just like, why the hell did I go to school when I don't even have, have an opportunity to, to you know, move up at this plant? Like, and I just start having all these negative thoughts in, in my mind. Cause I'm like, you know, this isn't fair. Wah, wah, wah. Right. So I start walking away and I don't know what happened, but I, but I, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to ask Willis if I could apply as him. And then see what happens. So I go back to his computer. I'm like, Willis, I can't apply for this, man. I don't have the right ID. I don't have a Ford email. It's asking me for that. Can I use yours? And in the body of the template, put in my resume and talk about myself. And he's like, sure, man, go ahead. And to him, it wasn't a big deal. For me, it changed my life. That literally changed my life. That decision I made to just go back and ask. That's another thing. Just ask. Just ask, right? If I didn't ask that question, that opportunity would have closed on me. And I don't think I would have been where I am today. Um, sure, I, I probably would have done something else. Like, I just don't know, right? You never know. So I, I, I literally applied for that job and I got a call from the hiring manager. 
And she said, I know you're not Willis, very creative. Um, you actually qualify for this. We would like to meet with you. Next thing you know, I'm driving to Downers Grove, Illinois on company time, which was like unbelievable. <laughs> like, like, like I had to tell my supervisor, Hey, I'm, I'm going to interview for this job at Ford. And he didn't believe me. Like he didn't even know what it was. Like, it was just like, not a thing there, you know? And even when I left, so, uh, let me back up a second. So after two or three interviews, I ended up getting the, the, the job. And then once they, they sent my, my uh, offer over, they, they called me back and said, we're not sure you can even get this job because HR doesn't know how to process your seniority to take you from a UAW employee to a salary employee. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding. Like, like, again, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Well, this was out of my hands, right? Um, so I kept calling the, 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 the hiring manager and I, and that's when I use like prayer and I'm like, please like figure that out, HR team, <laughs> you know, and lucky enough, they, they, uh, figured that out how to transfer me. And, uh, and it was, it was amazing. It just gave me that opportunity. And I was so grateful, Nick, for, again, just, uh, you know, my, my walking to my job consisted of like a mile walk through this tunnel. I vividly remember it up at this, these stairs over this tunnel, down this escalator, walk a half mile to my job, put on glasses, the bell rings. If you're not there, you do that three times, you're fired. I mean, it was so regimented. You couldn't even use the bathroom. Um, and, uh, and being a guy with the back pain that, that I had, it just became harder and harder. And so I felt so blessed for that opportunity, but yeah, it was all, it was all because Willis Chin said yes. And it was all because I asked him. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about like those small things and the doors they open and the past that they create. Are you are you familiar with the book or the story of the five people you meet in heaven? Uh, yeah, I read it a while ago, though. That is exactly when I heard that story. What I thought of is that to him might have been like, dude asked me for an email. I gave it to him. Not a big deal. But for people who aren't familiar, it's the, the guy goes to heaven and the five people that are waiting for him when he passes, he expects to be like his mom, his dad, his dog, his girlfriend, his wife. And it's not, it's these people that he barely even remembers and they go back and we're like, the reason I'm here is because this one interaction we had made such a huge impact on my life. And you probably never thought about it again, but it meant everything to me. And I feel like that, yeah. like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps. I just think that's, that's incredible, man. So you never know who you're going to affect, like be nice to people, be cool to people because you know, that that's the kind of stuff that happens down the road. Yeah. And I think that that gratitude really helped me. It, it really did. It, it made me, um, want to give to people because I felt so blessed. And I was like, man, I'm so lucky. So I was able to create a, a good company and, and create refuel, which was the, the conference we were talking about. And it was all in the power of just giving back. And, and I can say that like, once you, once you put things in the universe, like things happen, like you got to create your own luck. Like no one's going to come to you and say like, Hey, Nick, you should really do another podcast. I mean, people, will praise you for your podcast, but they're not going to like give you necessarily the, they're not going to do it for you, right? It's up to you to do it. It's up to you to make it happen. There's a lot of hustle involved. It's a lot of hard work. And, but things happen from your podcast. I'm sure you have tons of stories of how they parlayed into things you never imagined because you created your own luck. You're, you're, you're putting something out in the world. So anyone listening to this, just remember those words. Like, if you're scared to do something, if you are, you know, hesitant to, to take that job offer or to whatever it is, change your career, you're creating your own luck. 
So put yourself out there because life's short, man. And people don't generally come to you and, and, and give you, and give you things like we talked about, you know, you need to create at least something. Agree, man. You got to go after it. People, I always say everybody's waiting for Superman. You have to be Superman. You have to be the one who does that stuff. It's not going to happen for you. So you have to create those opportunities. And, you know, on the, on the business and the entrepreneurial side of stuff now, kind of, kind of pivoting a little bit. I've, I've heard you say things along these lines as well, that I, I think when people get into business, especially like in real estate, I'm sure any business, but on a daily basis, it's like, man, I get all these problems. I get all these problems. Like, well, yeah. But solving those problems is why you get paid a lot of money, you know, so like this person's having a problem, how do we find a solution so people want to be entrepreneurs they want to be bosses, but then they don't really want to figure out how to deal with the problems all day and manage personalities, and all these different things that really make a successful business and I do think that's why a lot of businesses fail and I've heard you kind of utter those words about being almost excited without being negative of understanding that when you wake up every day, you're waking up to problems and that that's okay. And I think it's a great reality and a great shift in perspective on it. So I'd love to hear more about that because obviously you've had a ton of problems in business and you found ways to solve them and, and create opportunities out of them. And I feel like that really is the ingredients for a successful business in life. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So um, this is another thing that I, I, really learned a lot about business from podcasts and I would listen to podcasts anytime I was doing any mundane tasks. So if I was doing anything around the house, I would listen to a podcast going in the, in the grocery store, I'd be listening to podcasts. And they were always about subjects that I wanted to learn from. They weren't, they weren't entertainment podcasts. So they were, um, this week in startups was podcasts that really helped me out when I was younger. Um, they were SEO one-on-one podcasts and I would just listen to them like, like crazy. So, um, I was, uh, I found on This Week in Startups, there was a guest on there and that guest was this guy named Jerry Colonna, who is a famous VC. He was one of the early VCs on that um, had just this very successful, com very successful company in Silicon Valley. And he started this thing called CEO Bootcamp. And this was just something, it was like their second cohort and I applied for it. And I was a newer CEO. Um, I wouldn't even call myself like a CEO because if you call yourself a CEO and you have like three employees or five employees, <laughs> kind of like, you know, all right. But, but I was like, the business was obviously growing and I thought I needed help. Well, what I thought I was signing up for was a boot camp on like accounting and like finances and like, here's how to run your, your balance sheet and a PL and how to, how to project cash flow and all the things I needed help with. And it turned out it was nothing like that at all. It was all about the psychological side. Um, it was about meditation. It was about handling emotions. And it really changed my life. Brad, Brad Feld was there in person. Brad Feld was from the Foundry Partners. He was the, I mean, they've invested in so many companies. They're out of Boulder, Colorado. Fitbit is, is one of them and many of these. And he told this story one day that he's managing like, 200 portfolio companies and every day something would would happen like every day there'd be a fire there'd be companies going out of business there'd just be something that that would happen so he read this parable called eat me if you wish and it was this parable that you can look up uh online and it was it's about basically the the summary of it is when you accept that things are going to happen and you and you're like all right bring it on. You can handle them in such a better way. 
versus trying to resist things. Same with martial arts, jujitsu, we both do that, right? I learned so many parallels in learning that martial art to business. Um, Like you can't resist when someone is going to come at you. Force doesn't, force and force don't work well together. You go with the move, you let someone's force kind of push you and, and get you to a better position where, where you can use their strength against them. The same thing happens with business and problems is that once you realize that things are going to happen and you wake up and you're like, bring it on, then all of a sudden your mindset changes and now you're not let down or now you're not stressed out because you knew it was going to happen. You got to, you got to, uh, expect the expected, right? Like, like it's just, especially as you're, you're growing a business. So when I heard that parable, when I heard Brad's story about how he changed his mindset, it really was like a guiding light for me to change mine when I was growing my business. And again, we went from 2011, I started launch digital marketing, 2013, Dealer Inspire, sold the businesses in 2018. At the time we had 450 employees, you know, we had, we had, 2,500 clients. And now that business grew to 800 employees every day. There is not one thing happening. There's 10 things happening, whether it be clients, whether it be employees and the whole notion of eat me, if you wish that parable and thinking about it really helped me get, get through those days. So I highly recommend you guys check out that parable. Uh, You can just Google it. I put in Jerry Colonna's name at, at the end of it or Brad Feld, and they both, they both wrote about it. Um, and it's just, it's just a really good way to look at life and you can look, apply that same principle to anything really. I love that, man. And, you know, on, on that side of it with the business and the problems, some things, like you said earlier, some things are in your control, some things are not what I've seen in my experience on companies, which I'm, I'm starting to recognize it a lot sooner now and go, Oh, like, I know what's going on here. And I think I heard you and Jocko talking about it. Whereas you're going into a business and it's like, okay, there's problems but you have the problems coming from the different departments and you're realizing, oh, we're not acting as a company. Sales thinks that operations are their yeah. enemy and this person thinks this person is there. And there's this like internal battle and it's like, you don't realize that we all went together, but I, I see that way more than I don't, that I'm like, don't you understand that like working together is, yeah. I don't know what it is that people, Severance, that movie, I don't know if you've seen Severance on uh, yeah. Apple yeah. TV, but yeah. I was just watching that, like when they come into the department and there's like, they literally put the the pictures of them killing each other and like set all those tones to like turn them against each other. And then he comes in and is like, well, we're all part of the company. And I feel like that cannibalizes itself from the inside out and management sometimes doesn't even realize it until they go, oh, and like realize that's a thing. So for you, when you have those problems and coming in on the people skill side of that, on the leadership side of that, what kind of things are you doing? And, and how did you learn how to manage those personalities and those internal conflicts in your businesses? Yeah. First off, what I learned is examples are very important and details are important and you cannot make broad statements. And we would have that example of like sales is uh, sales is horrible or sales isn't is dropping the ball here. Well, I'm like, who's sales? If this guy's name isn't sales or the, <laughs> the woman's name isn't sales then don't talk about sales in that way, because that doesn't get anywhere. That just creates this negative animosity between one department to another department. So I would say, hold the phone right there. I also, Nick, believe speed wins. So I, I would pick up the phone. I wouldn't schedule a meeting. I would get a three-way call going and my employees will test, will, will 
attest to this. Like this was my superpower. And I would say, okay, who in sales? Uh, it was Katie. Oh, all right. Katie, Katie talked to who in, uh, in uh, production. Oh, it was Wes. All right. I'm going to get both of them on the phone right now. I'm going to figure out what's going on. And then, and then once we solved it, we would explain to the, those teams, here's a problem. Here's what happened. Um, and we got through it. Uh, so I would say that as you're, as you're thinking about that, as your company grows, examples are really important because they, they will shine a light on what the real problems are. Um, saying sales is horrible, doesn't do shit except create negative energy. And this, this happened a lot. So, uh, and then also getting to the root of the, of the problem quickly and getting people on the phone to talk to one another. Like there's so much back and forth via Slack, via texting, but there's hardly any like communication over like a conversation, right? And, and getting to the root of it through a conversation would make people feel so much better because you can put something in Slack and read it 10 different ways. And the intent is probably none of them. So it's like, it's like really just, just getting to the root of the issue through examples and through a real conversation. It seems so small and so simple, but it's hugely important. I think that that is one of the most valuable things I've heard somebody say in a very long time in a generation where people are emailing, texting, slacking, WhatsApping, whatever kind of mood you're in is the tone you're going to take that message in. And the lack of communication, I feel in life and business has caused so many avoidable problems. It is insane. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't like, um, I would not let people say the words next week either. Like, I'm just like, I don't care if it's Friday. Don't say next week, say Monday or say, we're going to handle this in an hour from now. Cause if you keep, if you next week gets in your vocabulary, nothing ever gets done. Um, the other thing too, is like, as the business grew, things got really complex. So we started like making things simpler. And I, I started thinking through things as, uh, and when I mentor people and I talk to them, like, like, I'm really simple. I said, I say things like, what do you want to accomplish this week? What's one thing you want to, you want to accomplish? What about this month? What about this year? Now you can think about your year and then break it down into your quarters, your months, your weeks, your days. But if you don't, if you wake up tomorrow and you don't know what you want to accomplish, there's an issue there. And most of us go through business and life, not thinking about what's one thing I want to accomplish. Cause I guarantee you this, Nick, if you accomplish one thing a week, that's meaningful. You will do more than 99% of all human beings, <laughs> period. It's so simple. But if you don't, and you're just like letting, you're being reactive and you're playing defense and you're just kind of going through your days, at the end of the week, you're not going to accomplish anything. And that turns into next week. And that turns into the week after that. And all of a sudden you're at the end of the quarter and you're like, what the hell did I accomplish? So think about those small goals. It's again, sounds simple, but the more complex things are, the more easy you need to make them do you know you you brought up something that i actually wasn't even going to go into but it just triggered it i don't know if you said it or if um or if it was jesse itzler or one of them on there but you guys were talking about routines and day routines versus night routines and being offensive versus defensive and i think that plays exactly into you are you somebody who sets up what you're going to accomplish for the day the night before or do you start out in the morning saying this is what my day looks like how do you plan out your battle stations yeah, everything's revolved around my calendar. So, so my calendar, I have intentional time blocks that that are just non-negotiables to me. Um, one is jujitsu. I try to do that at least 
four times a week. Um, every morning I work out with my wife Monday, well, at least Monday through Friday. And, uh, and that's something that's always planned from, from there. I have a, a routine. So I have small windows to, to, to get things done and I focus on, okay, what are the, what's the one thing I, I need to, to accomplish today? What's my primary task? And then I have secondary tasks and those secondary tasks can roll over because those, those might be like, Oh, I got to pay this invoice. Well, I'm going to get it done this week, but it's not, it doesn't need to be done today. So, so that's how I look at my day. And I typically look at it the night before. Um, and then, you know, things come up, but you have to make sure that the things you want to prioritize, you prioritize again, health and wellness. I went through many years, not prioritizing that I became fat, overweight, felt like shit, looked like shit, was probably going to have a heart attack. And I'm like, you know what, what's the point of all this? What's the point of building a successful company and doing all this stuff if I'm going to die and not be around for my kids? You know, like it doesn't matter. So I prioritized it. And now it's like, if I don't get like two workouts in of something, I don't care if it's strength training and walking. Like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I mailed it in. And it's weird because like, I never started that way. And I'm not saying that if you're listening to this, you got to start there, start with 10 minutes or, or 20 minutes. But the bottom line is like, make it your prior, your priority. This notion of, you don't have time is complete bullshit. You have time. You're just not making time for what you want to prioritize because it's not prioritized. <laughs> I love that, man. You know, and uh, I, I, I've heard that echoed over and over again on my own podcast, but on your podcast, not almost their podcast, Talk a little bit about that because you've had absolutely amazing, like bucket list guests multiple times on there. And it's always great conversations. And every one of them has just their own unique inspirational story. And I love the vibe there. And I love the way that you get them to open up. But I remember there was uh, Kobe Bryant specifically. I wasn't a big fan of his. And then I listened to him after I had Jordan Harbinger on my podcast. And he told me a story about how he got that interview. And I was like, it would be a disservice to not listen to it, knowing what went into it. And I had the guy all wrong. And after I listened to Kobe, I realized that all these misconceptions I had of him were totally wrong. And the, the guy was amazing. And he like instantly became like one of my favorite guys to listen to. On your podcast, is there anybody that has had that effect on you that either A, has just blown you away and inspired you to just go out there and just do better and be better? Or anybody that maybe you didn't think was going to be that? And then totally after having that interview, you were like, man, I, I had this person all wrong. And now I see things like totally different. And they just kind of upped your list that you didn't expect to have that sort of reaction from talking to them. Yeah. I mean, what a great question. It's, it's hard for me to pick a person, honestly, because to, to your point, I, um, I, I feel very blessed that I've had a lot of good guests on my podcast. I'd say the one that uh, you had mentioned, Jesse, Jesse Itzler, is, is just so full of interesting uh, wisdom. He's just a very unique person. And what I liked about him the most and what I respected about him is how he talked about his wife. His wife is Sarah Blakely. She's a billionaire. You know, um, she is, a, she's seems to be a very humble person. I, I don't know her, but how he just propped her up and how he could put his ego aside as a man and say like, man, look at Sarah, look at everything she, you know, and and that's something I took from, from him when I met him. And I've heard him talk about her in such great ways that I wanted to emulate that for my, my uh, relationship with my wife. Cause you know, I have an ego, man, I'm competitive, like, like, you know, and for him to talk about her in that way, I'm like, there's something to learn here. 
you know, and I thought that was just really special. And he, he also looks at things like the, the countdown in, in a different way. And I, I could relate to this a bit because you've probably heard me say this once on my podcast or twice that, you know, at, at the plant, there was something that I, I coined the, the countdown. When you have 30 years there at the plant, you get a full pension. And 99% of the people I met there were counting down. They were counting down from that 30 year mark. We'd have conversations. It's like, I have 28 years left. I have 24 years left. I have 10 years left. And they were just counting down to get out of there. And that, that really like resonated with me. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to count down things. Like, it's like you're counting down your life. And these are amazing human beings. Like, like some of the best people I've ever met in my life, but it's because the environment they were in, that's what they knew. And what, what I heard Jesse say before, and it made a lot of sense. If, if you look at your relationship with someone and you look at the life expectancy of an average human being, which is around 78 years now. And you can easily calculate how many times you, you're going to probably see them and have an interaction with them in your life. Meaning that if I see my mom twice a year and my mom is 68, I'm not going to, it's not like I have 10 more years with my mom. I'm going to literally see my mom 20 more times in my life. And when you think about things and you approach it in that way, your interactions with those people are much more valuable. So that was something that I learned from Jesse that I haven't heard from, from anyone in, in that perspective. And if you think about the interactions you have with everyone, you can put a, a number on the, the amount that you're going to get to spend with any human being because you just count down from that. And that's like, that's, that's an average, right? So like, hopefully those people live, live a lot longer. And, but, you know, we also know, know people that don't live that long. So if you approach life in that way, I think you're going you're gonna to have m- many more meaningful conversations. And that's why you know, your podcast is so good because you dive to the root of these questions. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Jesse was, was probably, uh, and he was like one of my first podcasts and it was, it was an interview. I'm not like super proud of, and I, I don't <laughs> sit there and I kind of cringe. And in fact, something embarrassing, Nick is like, I went 15 minutes into it and I didn't hit, I didn't hit the record button and, and I'm like, Oh my God. So I hit the record button. Um, and I said, Jesse, like, I just hit it now. Uh, can we like start over? He's like, all right, man, let's do it. Like he didn't, he didn't complain, didn't say anything. And it was so embarrassing for me, <laughs> but you know, it was kind of like a weird vibe then at that point, but he, he was a pro, he was awesome. So, you know, think basically things happen and you got to deal with them. But yeah, that was, that was one that definitely sticks out. Your, your podcast is incredible. That definitely wasn't a bad episode at all, but I know exactly what you mean about looking back. It's like haircuts, you know, you think you're killing and you're like, oh, I was like thinking, man, you know? So I totally get that. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I did about 90 minutes with Brian Callen and it was like a big deal for me to get him. And after like, I kept telling him, I was like, dude, this is a great discussion. I wish we were recording because I thought we were like, I'm like, dude, we're really hitting it off. Like we're friends now. He might ask me to be in the next hangover. And then later, like, it's like, oh, oh, he was quoting Nietzsche because he thought we were, no, we're not recording. And then he was like, we didn't record any of that. I was like, no, man. And I thought for sure I'd never hear from him again. And it actually went up. He was cool and wound up kind of being like an inside joke thing, but I've, I have made that mistake. So I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. A couple last things. I know you're, you're tight on time. I appreciate you giving me this. Yeah, time. No, it's all good. Um, with your podcast, just cause again, like Jocko Willing, Jim Quick, um, Carl Fussman, like there's 
the list is incredible of the people you've had. And every one of them is, is very successful, very inspirational, not only in business, but just leadership and overcoming obstacles. So after having like one-on-one time that most people will never have with that level of successful and inspirational people, is there some foundation or consistent thing that you could say across the board, this is something I see in these A players over and over again that I could take away? You know, I notice small things. And I notice I notice bigger things. One one small thing is they don't drink. Like these people don't like. Right. I mean, I mean seriously. Like like if you think about partying and life, and and you look at at people, and you and you admire them in some way, or you you admire something they've they've done, and you kind of dig into like what their habits are. They don't revolve around like drinking or partying or anything like that. They revolve around having a good work ethic, the simple things we talked about. Um, and, and it may, kind of makes you think of, about that. Like if you, if you think about the people that you know that are really on top of their game and their lifestyle, like are they partiers? Are they wild? There's certainly examples of that, that people are very famous and very wealthy. But the majority of the people that I find that I bond with aren't huge partiers. So it's, uh, that's something that's like relatively small, I would say, but something that's really fascinating to me. The, the other thing, um, almost everyone starts their day off playing offense. They almost all start off by a morning routine of either meditation. Jocko wakes up at four 30. You see it every day on his block. <laughs> he works out. Right. Um, Jim quick, uh, has, has a, a, a morning routine. Jesse's the only one that I would say he's not like a super early morning person from, from what I gather, but he puts his priorities to his family first and to his, his health and wellness first. And he has, he has a big window for that. And then he has a small window for work. Now we all don't have that luxury, right? But the reality is you can control your day more than, more than you think you can. I think starting off your day playing offense and you mapping out, this is what I'm doing, will we'll make you feel good. And it kind of starts your day off in, in, with the right perspective. And there's nothing like jujitsu at 6.30 in the morning, man. I'm telling you, like my, my dopamine's flowing, my adrenaline's going, and it's better than 20 cups of coffee when you're getting choked out at, before most people are waking up. Um, but that's just an example of like, whatever you do, it doesn't have, have to be a martial art. Get it sweating. Get, get a sweat. And I noticed a lot of people that I've had on my podcast follow that, that, that same suit. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho, he has played all over the world, and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632. 0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson. 
That's awesome, man. I almost felt like I was doing a screen share. You were reading my outline because literally the next thing was about early morning jujitsu and going yeah. into that stuff. So obviously I can't let you go without discussing jujitsu. And of course, we're talking about A players. And I'll tell you that across the board in my life over the last 10, 15 years, whenever I'm looking for the most reliable person or like somebody who I can just work well with and just count on, it almost always goes back to the pool from jujitsu. And especially you want to talk A players. I can't tell you how impressed I've been over and over again with Mark Turner, John Brooks, and Brad Johns over there, man. So what they're doing over there at the BJJ Lab and the types of people, the caliber of people they are on and off the mats are just people I will always gravitate towards in life. And I'm sure that's why you are finding a good fit over there and working with John and all those guys too. But for you, how has jujitsu helped you in life and business? Oh man, so many ways. It, you know, I don't regret many things in life, but I do regret not starting it earlier. Um, so it's it's helped me with um, the parallels that that I talked about earlier. That you know, one way to succumb to pressure is just to let it be. You know, you, you, if you're stiff and you're getting choked, like you're just hurting yourself. If you're if you're a um, if you're a mattress, you're a lot better than, than, than a box spring, right? Like, and John Brooks talks about this a lot to me. And if you, if you think about how you react to people, how you react to angry people, um, how you can be calm under pressure, it all goes back to those parallels. Like you cannot be stiff. You can't react to pressure. You just have to like relax and you have to breathe. So there's so many things there. Um, but I'll say the one thing that, you know, I started jujitsu like two years ago, not even, and I would attest to what you said earlier. Those are amazing people, Brad, John, Mark, um, just, just incredible human beings. And again, if you look at their lives and what they're passionate about, like John Brooks is, is a, a family guy. Like he's just a great human being. Uh, he's, he helps me with, with all types of fitness stuff. Cause that's his lifestyle. That's amazing. Um, but, but I will say that it puts me in a very uncomfortable position. I'm very competitive and I don't like to lose <laughs> and in jujitsu. You have to go into this unknown place that, you know, you're, you're going to lose, like you're going to get tapped out. There's people better than you. I don't care who it is. And you're walking into this, especially early in the morning. And there's this little sense of fear. I'm not going to lie, right? Even two years later, I walked into to a gym. I did a drop-in and I walk in, into this gym. I don't know anyone there. And I'm like, you know, there's some big dudes around and I'm looking at them. I'm like, man, there's this sense of fear, but it's putting yourself in those uncomfortable places that you're going to grow. And I never, never at the end of it, regretted it. I'm hesitant sometimes to go into it because of those feelings, but I'm, I, I tell myself like, Joe, how do you feel after? And I just put myself through it. And then all of a sudden it starts to become addictive. But once I like, if I'm on vacation, I got to go back. It's harder to start that engine. But once, man, once you're in it and you're, you're feeling it, then all of a sudden you're, you're looking at other things in life to help, to help you get better at that game, like breathing techniques, like uh, 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 Gracie's book on uh, breathe, you know, like, and how he approached breathing and how you can apply that to many areas of life and how to like calm down again under pressure. So man, there's so many parallels. It's, it's insane. Uh, I would highly recommend it to, to anyone. And it's, you know, you're, it's, 
it's a it ages well you're not going to get punched in the face you know it's like you are you're getting a, a great workout but man i i did a tape for an hour and a half burn 1200 calories you know i wouldn't have done that strength training it's just it was an amazing workout it it, it always is I agree, man. It's it's like the roller coaster, the anxiety there. You're like, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I'll get off the line. And then the second you go down that drop, let's go back on again. Let's go back on again. Yeah. So it is that thing. And, and I agree, man. It almost never goes away. And I know people are always telling me, they'll see me post stuff. And a lot of the times I do that for myself to make sure that I get up and I do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll intentionally just book these privates at 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., wherever I am. And everyone's like, well, I don't like getting up early. I'm like, yeah, n- neither do I. Like, I don't, right. every time that alarm goes off, I'm like, I wish I didn't do that. I pick up my phone like I'm going to text the guy like, oh, I got a headache. I got COVID. <laughs> like, whatever to get out of it. But you push through to hold yourself accountable. And I've never, driven. even when I get tapped out all day, thrash around, Mark Turner just chokes the shit out of me and makes me feel like I don't even belong there. Matt Sarah makes me want to never come back again. That whole drive home, I am so happy I went there. So happy I did it. And again, like you said, man, it checks all those boxes for starting out your day offensively, challenging yourself for stuff, being around people that are forcing you to be accountable for the only way you're going to get better is by showing up every single day. You cannot fake what you're doing there. You're putting in the work or you're not. And I think, again, just getting into an environment where you do get to be the hammer and the nail for life. Like it's very hard to not be humble because every few minutes when you switch, you're now the good guy. Now you're the the hammer, then you're the nail. And I think it just is really great for character building and community across the board. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it was, I'm so glad I found that gym and, and the sport. And Jocko, I heard say this, he didn't say it on my podcast, but he said, take the emotion out of working out. He said, letting your emotions uh, be a guiding factor in your workouts is just a bad idea, right? No one, no one wants to wake up early. No one wants to put themselves in a position where they're getting choked out. No one wants to like do strength training and like crush yourself and be sore the next day. But nothing grows without strain. Nothing grows without stress. Like you just don't, it just doesn't happen. Look at everything in life. Lobsters, it is, lobsters are such a great example. It may sound silly, but lobsters, they, they shed their shell because they're growing. And that's the only way lobsters can grow is they actually shed it constantly. And they, they grow larger and larger. If they didn't do that, they would never grow. So it's just, it's human nature. You have to put yourself in those positions, but don't let your emotions dictate your decisions. Take it out of the equation and just do it. And eventually you're, you're going to get better. And it's, I'm not even good yet. Like, and it's I'm two years into it. So it's like, but I know eventually I will be. And I, and I look at people that I admire and see, and see their skills. And I'm like, man, it's like, it's like, I just got to get to a place where I could control my heart rate. I could get to like under, under hundred beats a minute and just like tap someone. And I'm not <laughs> even doing that now, you know? Well, you're getting there, man. Closer and closer every day. And, you know, in closing now, talk, refuel, I went to it. I thought it was freaking awesome. I loved it being there, watching how freaking Jocko just commands attention on that stage. And the shit Jim Quick did that I was like, there's no way that's real. Repeating the numbers back and then going and doing it. Like every person was like more impressive than the nest. And being there live was was just, I thought, a great energy and and great people. And I thought the event was huge overall. And and obviously, I hope it was very successful for you as well. I got a lot out of it. So thank you for uh, sending me an invite there. But what's coming up for you guys? What's going on with your business? What's going on with your life? Like what kind of things can you be promoting right now that people can come find you and be a part of? 
Yeah, sure thing. So uh, Go is the is what I was alluding to earlier. That's my big project right now. I found um, I found that to reduce drinking, I'm not a teetotaler. I love a good beer. I love I love tequila. I love whiskey sometimes. But what I did realize is over time, if you drink too much, uh, it's just not good for you, man. Especially as you age. So I wanted to create a social space where folks can go to have a beer, but not have the negative uh, side effects of what alcohol basically gives you, which are hangovers, um, a lot of calories, you know, normal IPA is like 450 calories. So we, we created an IPA that's 45 calories. Um, We're creating a collagen, a collagen protein beer. We're, We're creating a place where you can have low alcohol or no alcohol beer, but still have an amazing experience. So I'm really working on that now. We're going to open in Naperville right across from BJJ Labs, actually, in, uh, in July, August of this year. Uh, we have 6,000 square feet. We're going to have a direct-to-consumer option, so anyone in the nation listening to this podcast can get our beer shipped to them, and we're really, we're really excited about it. So I'm going to have uh, events like uh, 5K runs, cold plunge days, uh, jujitsu, martial arts training, and tie that all in and have bands and live music, just, just make a lot of fun out of it because there's a lot of people in that same boat. I found that they want to live, live a a healthier lifestyle, but they want, they don't want to just forego the social fun of having a cocktail and a drink somewhere. So that's, that's one thing I'm working on. I'm also, as I talked about earlier, I'm the chief innovation officer at cars.com. So, uh, so I'm looking at kind of what the future holds. I don't have as many direct employees anymore, which is nice. It's a nice change, but uh, I am thinking about how, how does the impact of EVs affect our technology? How do we complete transactions online and a lot of fun stuff like that. So it's good to put my, my brain power there. And of course, mar- uh, martial arts and, uh, and Spartan races and everything like that. Like I try and accomplish one or two big goals a year. And this, this year, my goal Nick is to win, to win a jujitsu tournament in my class uh, at, at my belt level. So um, I initially said my goal is to com- compete in one. I'm like, what kind of goal is that? Like <laughs> to show up and compete. So my goal is to, to, to win one. I have a lot of work to do and trying to put the work in. So doing all that stuff. But if, if you want to uh, find out more, go, gobrewing.com is, is the website for that. And I'm going to take the concept of refuel and apply it to go. So I'm going to have a go speaker series where I'm going to have one speaker out every quarter, like a Jocko or a Mike Posner might, might be one of my first ones, hopefully. Um, and, uh, and do an activity around it. So it's not just listening to someone speak. It's like putting in some work first, getting, getting a little dirty and then enjoying a nice cold beer afterwards, listening to a motivational person. Dude, that sounds absolutely incredible. Is there is there social media stuff too that they can follow? There you is, follow yeah. yeah you, can follow, you can follow me. It's uh, Joe Chura, J-O-E-C-H-U-R-A. Uh, go, go Brewing. Uh, not almost their podcast, of course. Uh, I, I'm launching. Uh, I, I don't do nearly as many as, as, as you know, um, but I do uh, two a month, essentially. And I'm going to parlay that into Go Brewing. And this is another example that we were talking about earlier is that like, I had no intention of creating a brewery last year, but the podcast created this spark. I had this event called go, go turned into go brewing. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, it's just, it's just, you know, you, you don't know. And if you would have, if you would have 
you know, told me 10 years ago, you'd be doing all these things. I'd be like, you're absolutely insane, especially as a 20 year old on the assembly line. So it's just, it's just taking those steps, creating your own lock man and looking at this universe and saying like, how can I help other people too? You know, and refuel uh, was, was such an important part of my life and, and is, and I want to expand that to experiential events as well. Dude, you are one of the most inspirational guys I've come across. I love how everybody I talk to has amazing things to say about you. You deserve all the success you have. I look forward to seeing you on the number one spot on your podium, winning your jujitsu division, <laughs> anything I could do to help you. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your time, man. I, I, I just, I have nothing but good things to say about you and nothing but good things I hear about you. Any final thoughts before I let you go about your day and bring your kids to jujitsu? Uh, I would just say, you know, if you got out anything from this podcast, which, which I hope you did, please tag Nick and myself. Uh, and I just want to, I also want to just commend you, Nick, for doing such a good job with the podcast, doing the research, asking such great questions. It's been a lot of fun to be on with you today. Well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, there was a million other directions we could have gone and uh, hopefully I have you back when you get the, the brewery right. coming and I'll definitely be there to support it, man. You bring your A-game to everything you do. You brought it to this podcast. Thank you very much, Joe Charlie, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.